Reading in Church, a proud partner with Audible.com. Previously on Reading in Church and Other Distractions. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never move from the central time zone. (laughs) No, that's (laughs) not not that. You can't boast like that. I shall never be moved. Well, that would be you saying that. I'm moving myself. That's right. I shall never, yeah, hence the the arrogance there. I shall never be moved. (laughs) But your favor, O Lord... It's a very Mike-centric reading. It seems to be. <laughs> we don't have time to unpack I, I all of this tonight. I think we're getting little Mike today, not big Mike. <laughs> Welcome to Reading in Church and Other Distractions with Rob and Mike. Well, welcome back to Reading in Church and Other Distractions. I'm Robert Wallace. And I am Michael McKeever. And we're, we're two in a row now, so look at us, man. Man. We're starting a trend. Once, back on track, again. yeah. That's right. These are the readings for August 11th, 2019, the ninth Sunday after Pentecost. Uh, We're doing the consecutive readings, so that's Isaiah 1-1 and 10 through 20, and Psalm 50, 1 through 8 and 22 to 23, which basically are exactly the same text, so that'll be fun. All right. Uh, Hebrews 11, 1 to 3 and 8 to 16, and Luke 12, 32 to 40. Okay. So. Speaking of consecutive, uh, we're, so we're starting a new record here. So this is two in a row. Uh, two, right. Got about a hundred. record 130 like in a row. 130. Or, yeah. And so, huh. yeah. All right. So we've got a, got some work to do. Fingers crossed. Do. Yeah, exactly. You know, let's go back to the beginning. And year one. <laughs> yeah, just start, start over. Start over, yeah. It's just these mm. little, little quirks. Uh, it's just going to bug me if we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, hope you will like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, both of those places at Reading in Church. We are also available on Spotify, uh, Reading in Church, and other distractions there. So you can listen if you listen to your podcast on Spotify. Apparently, Spotify's podcast game has been upped, and a oh. uh, pe- lot of people listening there. So if you want to listen to us there, you can certainly do that. Cool. Um, beyond that, uh, we didn't have much to catch up on. Although you're apparently buying a house, that's exciting. Yeah, you know what? Um, I was talking to my wife. Who's involved in the process also. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. And uh, we Mine re- wasn't involved in getting this place. So <laughs> we it's, real- I'm glad you <laughs> Yeah. I think it's important. It is. Um, well, agree to disagree. <laughs> it'll be, it's two weeks, two weeks, two weeks tomorrow since we first looked at it and we're moving in a week from tomorrow, probably. That's, that's, that's nuts. Amazing. That's, that's nuts. That's amazing. And yet I think we can do it quicker. So we're going to try next time to be even quicker. That's yeah. Records. Actually, I'm pretty sure that you will die in this house. Yeah, as angry as you are about realtors. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, this realtor was great. Uh, oh, good, good. Unconventional. You know, she worked with the witness relocation program, and she got good. things done quickly. Good. Unorthodox, good. but man, she got results. Yeah, you. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, you are special needs when it comes to these sorts of things. So I'm yeah. glad. Yeah, glad they could do hideaway that. realtors or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm not leaving the no, hi- the hideout. No web presence. No <laughs> yeah. web presence. Yeah. Just just the deep web. Just the deep web. Just word of right. mouth. Yeah, the dark web. Deep dark web. Wow. Oh man. All right. Works wonders. Well, would you like to read some, some uh, ju- judicial cases here? Yeah. All right. All right. And I, I will confess, <sighs> I have an issue in translation in this text that nobody does and i just don't know how to process that so i i will have to work it out with you uh okay. i i work it out with you publicly but i i don't get a lot of people to agree with me on this one, well you want me uh, to as far as what verses you want me to change something here no just go ahead and do it i'll talk about it okay yeah there's too much jesus for people to go with my translation that's the problem yeah no i i think no it's nice being a one of these christian prophets isaiah this would yeah. be really good <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 okay All right, the vision of Isaiah, son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Man, yeah. That's a good run. It's a lot of administration, so. It is. Is he like deep state, you think? Is that? He is, yeah, I do. I do think he is. Uh, For comparison's sake, you ought to read uh, Amos's list of kings he prophesied under. Much shorter. (laughs) (laughs) Much, much shorter. He was uncompromising. Yes, Yes. Okay. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Wait, I thought he was talking about Jerusalem. What? Strong open. Hmm? 
What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. Yeah, a lot of people are moving on to uh, plant-based proteins. Yeah, this is like really... A lot of vegan diet. This is... Wow, it's right now. to see it in the yeah. Bible here. Is, yeah, it's right here. It's biblical. It's all been, it's biblical. It's all been done. When you come to appear before me, who asks this from your hand? Trample my courts no more. Bringing offerings is futile. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and calling of convocation. I cannot endure solemn assemblies with iniquity. Your new moons and your appointed festivals my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you stretch out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your doings before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rescue the oppressed. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. Wow, this is so outdated, this Old Testament stuff. It's yeah. just like nobody yeah. does that. No. Come now, let us argue it out, says the Lord. Is that what you're—is that what you're— not, this, no? is, this is the verse I have problems okay. with, but— that's not the problem. All right. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be like snow. That's the problem. Okay. They are like red crimson. They shall become like wool. Yeah, though they are red like crimson, they hmm. shall become like wool. Hmm. If, you are will- if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Yes. So this Amos is, or Amos, Isaiah is one of our 8th century prophets. Uh, Sounds a lot like Amos here, actually. Sounds a lot like Micah here. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Also 8th century prophets. Uh, Isaiah is, we don't know much about the person Isaiah. The assumption is that he was a court prophet, a royal prophet. And there is also some... Uh, indication he might have been related to King Uzziah, yeah, um, mm-hmm. uh, cousin, and he does seem to have pretty good knowledge of the inner workings of Judah, Judah's foreign policy, and is able to summon the king to meet with him to talk to him. So he does seem to have some mm-hmm. position, uh-huh. and he had a really long reign. And you don't get to say the things he said yeah. and get a really yeah, long he's reign. Not pulling so, punches here, hmm. exactly. I mean, he opens with Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Um, so he's uh, he's. Not probably the the contrast to him would be uh, I talked I said last time I like to teach Amos and Hosea the same day because Amos is the objective and Hosea is the passionate one. Mm. I like to do Isaiah and Micah the same day because Isaiah is the the urban court prophet in the in the midst of the king's court probably, mm-hmm. and Micah is from the country coming in from the outside. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's another contrast in message, but they sound a lot I'm alike. Just here. a simple country lawyer, <laughs> exactly. yeah, sure you are. <laughs> That's what Micah is. Yeah. Um, but I mean, verse 11 sounds just like Micah six, you know, what do you, what shall I bring before the Lord? Uh Um, you know, what, what is your multitude of sacrifices to me? I mean, what is, what is all of this? Um, he opens in verse 10 with Shema, which is the same Shema you get back in Deuteronomy six hero, you know, Israel, that, that foundational here, the word of the Lord. Hmm. Um, the earlier verses along with this part has the, has the form of, they have the form of a, a court case. God is hmm. is calling um, Israel or Judah into into court and uh, is seeking a case against them, which is probably come and let us argue it out. Um, it's a it's a royal it's a, a judicial term, judicial setting here. In fact, the mountains earlier in some verses, God is asking the mountains to witness. And I think we've mentioned before that when you're a monotheist, when you're a polytheistic culture, you can mm-hmm. have the other gods sit in the jury box right. and work on your case. Mm-hmm. When you're a monotheist, it's harder to call, you know, it's hard to, to fill the jury pool. Mm. And so uh, most of the time in the Bible, whenever God has a court case, he calls the mountains to witness. Mm. Mm. So Deuteronomy, he does that. Micah, actually in Micah 6, he does that. And then here he does this as well. The mountains are witnessing for God since the... No other gods. Why, to... why is that? Is that well? I don't, I don't know. They they always seem to stand in okay. for where in other cultures you would have other gods okay. who would help make. The I mean, decision. mountains are your prototypical but sacred space sort of. They are and thing, touching but heaven. Is that what's going on? Or maybe? Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Unshakable. I don't hmm. know. I I don't know what has motivated that. Just that they do. Hmm. Um. This is obviously. 
I, I like I don't have I cannot endure solemn assemblies with iniquity. I mean, that's his, that's God's issue. It's not uh-huh. his issue is not sacrifices in and of themselves. The sacrifices are only meaningful, however, if they come out of a committed heart, if they come out of hearts defined by justice. It's the same issue that mm-hmm. Amos has in chapter five that Micah has in six. Think of it more like uh, a condiment, really. Je- <laughs> you can't you can't mock God. You mm-hmm. can't just continue to think that you can buy God off. There's no dispensation. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no indulgences you can buy here. God's like, you know what? They're not for me. The burnt offerings yeah. and sacrifices and gifts and incense, I don't I don't care about them. Mm-hmm. They need to be a reflection of your heart. Um and then here's where we get the the issue wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil doings, learn to do good, seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. But then you get to verse 18, and this is one that I, I really struggle with the translation on, because as the NRSV has it, mm-hmm. let's argue it out. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be like snow. Though they're red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Everybody agrees with that translation. Um, but doesn't the, the, necessarily make sense in the flow of the argument, though. It doesn't. And the form of it in, is, is uh, if. Uh, oh, is it, a, though, is it a question? It is. Uh-huh. It is. I, I think that that first of all, the words though there should be translated as if, mm. because it is a, that is the same word in Hebrew and if mm-hmm. is the more natural meaning there. Yeah. And, and God's let us argue it out is think about this for a second. Mm-hmm. Reason, reason this with me. Yeah. If your sins are like scarlet, can they be like snow? If mm. they're red, like crimson, can they be like, well, if you're willing, obedient, you shall eat for the good of the land. But if you refuse, no, I, so I think God, I, I think he is confronting them with this. You can't mock me. Um, mm. in this regard, I th- mm. it seems a little early in the text for hope and, uh, oh, <laughs> in a 60, yeah. in a 66 yeah. chapter yeah. book. <laughs> oh yeah. So Sodom um, and Gomorrah, I feel better now. Right. Exactly. Verses so, later. I, I really do think that God is trying to, to make the point that you can't mock. You can't, if your sins are like scarlet, they can't be like snow. If you're good, things will go well. If you're not, they won't. Um, don't so, pretend you know, don't think you can have it. So both should ways. I read it again with some tone, maybe in God's voice? Uh, <laughs> I think we have enough tone, you yeah. and I. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, I can't find. I mean, I, I've had several. I've heard several people at some meetings talk about it, and they seem to agree. But, but I have not seen a major Bible translation, or frankly, a major um, commentary that that offers that interpretation. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. I've, ne- uh, I've never seen anything in the gift shop like that. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's hard to find anything in gift shop. And I think part of it is because that verse mm-hmm. has so many Jesus associations with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jesus is the one who makes the, you know, there's there are hymns based on this verse about mm-hmm. Jesus. There are, I mean, it's, it's so it's going to be hard to break that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I don't think that's what, yeah. I don't think that's what it's talking yeah, about. Yeah, I'm thinking about some songs from uh, Ecclesiastes, like, that's actually not the tone of that Ecclesiastes. Right, right. <laughs> no. Yeah. Or even even like great is thy faithfulness comes from the middle of lamentations. Uh-huh. You know, most people don't. Mm. And the, and the point of that is because of your great faithfulness, we're not all consumed. The point of the passage is, wow, at least we're not all dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's not really what you get from the hymn. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, that is certainly yeah. the text. Right. So, so yeah. So those are my issues, obviously, with that text. But um, yeah, that makes sense. But it's again, I. I Although uh, Ezekiel 16 makes it explicit, here again you have Sodom and Gomorrah associated with social justice being the issue. I was going to say that, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that seems to be the issue in Ezekiel. That is the issue in Ezekiel 16. God explicitly says they were not showing justice. Mm-hmm. And then here, once again, Sodom and Gomorrah associated with justice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And again, Old Testament justice and righteousness are two different words. Justice is when social relationships are functioning as they were created to function Righteousness is when individuals are functioning as they were created to function. Yeah. Um, in the New Testament, both of those are used interchangeably for the word diakusunai, the yeah. righteousness and justice. So, Boy, that is, so they are two different words with just slight nuance in the Old Testament. That is such a debate. Um, I mean, there's conferences this summer about, like, we got to disentangle ourselves from the gospel and social justice. I'm thinking, what are you? Yeah, right, <laughs> what? Yeah. What? Right. what testament yeah. are you reading? Yeah. Well, Neither. I have some theories on that, but we'll we'll move on. <laughs> gift shop, the one in yeah. the gift shop, right? Right. Yeah, that's a credit. That is a strong ex- opening, Isaiah. The expurgated version. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, especially you know using the word Shema, which mm-hmm. has such association. I mean, that Deuteronomy six four is recited in every single synagogue, every single Sabbath, everywhere in the world, mm-hmm. every single week. 
Yeah. And to, I mean, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu. When you say Shema the Barad uh, Yahweh, I mean, hear the word of the Lord is, that's a strong opening. And then to go from that to you rulers of Sodom, I mean, that's that's right up there with Paul's, you know, I wish those who unsettle you would mm-hmm. castrate themselves. Mm-hmm. Or I wish anybody, no, it's probably his opening in Galatians as well. Anybody who disagrees with me can go to hell. That's <laughs> that's what Isaiah is doing here uh, in verse 10. Yeah. Calling your audience Sodom and Gomorrah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that's uh, gets the tension on a number of levels. A lot of uh, it is, intertextuality there. Text. It's a huh. great text. If intertextuality were really a thing, I mean, how are you going to well, prove sure. it? How are you going to prove sure. it? Right? right, right. Maybe Isaiah well, never. Maybe Isaiah didn't have access to the yeah, right to, to Moses Micah and Amos and Moses <laughs> and, and anything yeah. that any Jewish right. tradition. Yeah. All we right. Only, I, I only accept the things of Isaiah that don't sound the, like Jewish tradition. The airing of the pet peeves of <laughs> right. of Rob and Mike. <laughs> well, I don't think any. Yes, these are like all our issues that no one else even understands what we're fighting yeah. or complaining uh, about. We'll show them. We'll get our own podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we've done our job. <laughs> our work here is through. Anybody? Anybody? Well, you want to look at Psalm 50? I, I do, because it's exactly the same okay. message. Okay. So, I mean, uh, maybe it's intertextual. It could, right. it could be. Let's see. The mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Oh, our God comes and does not keep silence. Before him is a devouring fire and a mighty tempest all around him. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me my faithful ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare his righteousness for God himself is a judge. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. Mark this then, you who forgot, forget God, or I will tear, tear you apart and there will be no one to deliver. Those who bring thanksgiving as their sacrifice honor me, and those who go the right way, I shall show the salvation of God. There you go. Wow. Um, we skipped a little bit in the middle there where uh, it's, it is talking about the same issue of sacrifices. You know, it's not, I mm-hmm. don't care. I don't rebuke you for your sacrifices because... You know, I don't need the sacrifices, but what I really need is for you people to actually honor who I am and and live appropriately. Yeah. Um, when you talk about strong openings, uh, verse one. This is, by the way, the first, the very first Psalm of Asaph mm-hmm. in the Psalter, um, and is the um, it's the only Psalm in of Asaph in Book Two. Most of them are in Book Three. Those are two factites um, that I know about. This I was going to throw them in. Now, now I know nothing about Matt, this. Now you have nothing to share. <laughs> Got nothing. Um, but uh, the, talk about real strong opening. Verse one is El Elohim Yahweh are the first three words, mm. and so it it could be translated God of Gods. The God of Gods Yahweh speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Mm. So it is. It is using three different terms, all three of which are used for the divine in other places, back to back to back. Mm-hmm. So El Elohim Yahweh, God, God, Yahweh. So God of gods, mm-hmm. the God of gods, yeah. Yahweh speaks. Or in and Spanish, it, the God of gods. Yeah, yeah yes. Yeah. El, El God of gods. Yeah. Yes. Um, verse 7, hear my people and I will speak. Once again, you get that Shema, uh, the opening there, and... Uh, God is actually speaking. This is an unusual, uh, unusual experience in the Psalms. God is speaking. Hmm. Most of the Psalms are us speaking to God, mm-hmm. uh, but fifty is actually God speaking back. Uh, and and so that's, I mean, anytime that happens, you need you need to listen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, God is is once again this concern of of a, a people of justice. Um, I was just gonna. Uh, open this up to pick some of the things that uh, we look at. Verse nine: I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. Um, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you for the world and all that it is is mine. Do I eat bulls? Do I eat goats? <laughs> I don't know. He sounds hangry. Yeah, right. A little hangry. Right. 
And then I do love the, but to the wicked, God says, what right do you have to recite my statutes or take my covenant on your lips? For you hate discipline. You cast my words behind you. You make friends with a thief when you see one. You keep the company of adulterers. You give your mouth free reign for evil. Your tongue frames deceit. And what you're missing, what we're missing in this is he's going through the Ten Commandments here. Uh, um, there's there's murder. There's the, there's bearing false witness. There's hmm. uh, adultery. All of that is here. Slander your own mother's child. These things have been done, and I've been silent. You thought I was just like yourself, but now I rebuke you in charge before this. Mark this, or Dang. I will tear you apart. That's where. Wow. So it's this. It's he's he's bringing judgment. I mean, this is this is um one psalm out of probably there are probably three good examples in the Psalter of prophetic psalms. Mm. This is one of them. Mm. Um, ninety five is one. Uh, fifty is one, and eighty. I think it's eighty. Mm, I think that's one. probably enough. Just sprinkle them in. <laughs> Just, just a little bit. Yeah. You don't want to. Yikes! Don't want to do too much. That's about. That's about the attention span of prophetic speech for people. Yeah, we never Three. sing those. We never sing these ones in the church service. No, 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 no. These are these are do this in the summer when there's not a lot of people around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's this is a this is a, a in your face. You know, gather my faithful ones and let me. I've got a word to say to the deceitful ones. Um, wow. Um, but yeah, I do love that you made a covenant with me by sacrifice. But I don't really care about the sacrifice. You think I'm hungry? Mm. You think you can buy me off? You think this yeah. is what this is about? That's not what this is about. Mm. Stop living lives that don't reflect Torah. And I think it's important that when he's talking to the wicked, we don't think about this sometimes. When he's talking to the wicked, he's talking to people in Judah. Yeah. This is not like, these are people who are who would consider themselves part of the covenant community yeah. that God is saying is living outside the covenant community, mm-hmm. that their lives are not defined by justice they they attach themselves to a liar they they slander they bear false witness they commit adultery they i mean these are these are people who themselves would identify themselves with yahweh worship mm-hmm. and and god is saying you know mark this uh you who forget god or i'll tear you apart and there'll be no one to deliver you mm. um those who bring thanksgiving the sacrifice father god honor. we just asked that you don't tear us apart <laughs> right right tone, yes, tone exactly. it down a little bit. <laughs> exactly uh, those who bring Thanksgiving, we like to offer thanks for not tearing us apart. Um, we just, yeah. we just want to give yeah. thanks. We just, we just, God, just now, just want to give thanks just to you just now. Father God. But just Father God. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, so like I said, it's the same message as Isaiah. It's the same yeah. message as Isaiah, yeah. same message as Amos, as, as Micah, as Joel, as Jeremiah, as Ezekiel. Yeah, these are, these are strong prophetic message here. Yeah. That is being sung. I'm going to keep that in my back pocket in case the church stops acting like the church. That yeah, could come in. It is. It's one of those things. You it's could such a season arise. Should should that happen? Yes. Yeah. You know, people misrepresent the divine. You never you know. Be ready for you that. Never know. File yeah. it away. File it away. Is what I'm saying. That's right. That's right. Wow. I, I'm sorry that we're not reading the middle part there because that, I know. I know. I was going to stop you, but you were, you went for it. He is is. Going through, just he's just, yeah. just going through. Have the Ten I commandments. missed anything here? Yeah, exactly. Man. Which, by the way, is exactly what Jeremiah does in his temple sermon in Jeremiah seven. He just starts running through the Ten Commandments hmm. and says, "Look what you people are doing." Um, so that's too many points. That's too long a sermon. They, even the lectionary cut that out. It's cut a long it down. sermon. Oh. Yeah, yeah. The short version is, if you're going to call yourself a follower of a God, it'd be nice if you look like it. Mm-hmm. That's that's basically the short sermon. Yeah. So. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't care for this taking the name in vain based stuff. No, exactly. S- Don't wear my name in meaninglessness. Seems to push some buttons. <laughs> it, it yeah. does. Nothing makes God angrier <laughs> than that. <laughs> wow. Okay. Nothing makes God angry. Hmm. Wow. Two in a row. Yeah. So if you're like, let's see, what's the what's the Christian order that goes through the Psalms in every week? What is it? Uh, uh the Benedicts. The, the Benedict. Do they get this? They get three of these every they week. Do. They do. Start your morning with that. I, I should also say that 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 this is he calls the heaven to birth. Uh, he calls the heavens above, calls the heavens above and to the earth that he may judge his people. This is another judicial setting too. Mm-hmm. I didn't mention that. Too. Yeah. And here I will speak. God Himself is the judge. I mean, this is all. Get everybody come together. I'm mm-hmm. about to mm-hmm. pronounce. And so he, this that is God swearing out his case against mm-hmm. them, starting in verse 7. Right. Takes an oath. Swears by himself. He, he yeah. does. Swears by himself. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. This is what you're doing. Wow. 
So that's I said they're the same. They're both both judicial settings as well. So, man, judicial metaphor. Wow, that's a strong theme. I'm trying to think. I did. I'm trying to think if I was thinking about this as I was reading the New Testament stuff. Uh, not quite. Not quite. Hmm. I have to think about no, that. You have happy stuff. You have happy things. Yeah. How do those go together? Maybe, Maybe they don't. Maybe it's just just <laughs> the, the grab bag of common time. Yeah, you want to do Hebrews 11, see if we can find? Yeah, let's see. Scroll down there. Here we go. Hebrews 11, 1 to 3, and then 8 to 16, because we don't want to read 4 to 7. And we don't want to go beyond 16. Okay. Okay, I'll I'll stay right there. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith, our ancestors received approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he set out, not knowing where he was going. Mm -hmm. I know what that's like. So do you. Mm. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised as in a foreign land, living in tents. Are you living in it? Well, you no, you actually got the house. I've got a temporary place, but we're not unpacking. As did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that had foundations, whose architect and builder is God, by faith, he received power by the, received power of procreation, even though he was too old. And Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful, who had promised. Therefore, for, from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven and as innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. All of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth, for people who speak in this way make it clear they are speak- seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they left behind, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's a, it's, it's a really good theme. They come back to this... Uh... The eternal city, this, uh, this, this theme of sojourning, sojourning, you know, mm-hmm. it's such a, uh, such a big theme in the, in scripture. And, you know, it's the one I, I gravitate toward a lot. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. certainly we've had a little bit of, uh, that experience, that unsettledness. And <laughs> I've got some students this summer that's like, they're going through that. A lot of them are moving. I go, I hear you, man. I, I, yeah. I'm going to cut you some slack cause I'm feeling, Absolutely. I'm feeling it. So that's a, that is a, uh, I think humans are more, most comfortable when we're rooted in one place. So this is a scary thing. Abraham, um, you know, father of faith, but they are, this is the thing often appealed to, um, mm-hmm. kind of a, a prototype, not so much, uh, what, what happens in verse 17, you know, like when, uh, he and Isaac went camping, that's, that's right. less of a paradigm. Okay. Of faith. Right. Let's hope. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope. The one, the one time, the one and only time they went camping. (laughs) That one time they went camping. (laughs) Not that their life was defined by camping or anything. Yeah. Yeah. It was just awkward after that. But, um, so Hebrews, we're going to be Hebrews, I think like four weeks, something like that. So, um, (laughs) I better, you know, like, let me think about Hebrews. It's a, it is not, you know, it's not synonymous. So, um, it's very good Greek, uh, between Luke and, and the author of Hebrews, it's, it's the those are the most uh, polished Greek and probably people who have had formal training. So it it doesn't even sound quite like Paul, who's had you know a good education. Um, a, so since we don't know who who wrote it, you'll find at the beginning of commentaries lots of space devoted to who wrote it. Right. You know? right. Well, let's speculate about the twelve people we know about from the right, first century. Yeah. yeah. So, but there are a few people like Silas and Apollos who seem to be scribes or rhetorically trained, but who knows? You know, there's a lot of people, mm-hmm. a lot of people in the first century and a lot of people in Paul's circles. And we may not know everyone, but um, possibly from a Roman context, but not really sure who it's written to, other than they're probably predominantly Jewish, uh, at least in, in a, a lot of argue, scholarly arguments. Although I know there's people who would argue against that, um, but to, Probably predominantly uh, or dominant position would be um, Jewish Christians who are being pressured to leave off their Christian distinctives, and possibly if they're being pressured by the synagogue to fall back into um, some Jewish mm. um, cultural practices, or or maybe Christians have distinctive enough practices to be be persecuted by their Gentile neighbors. You know that happens later in the first century. Um, 
there's a there's a lot of reasons that uh, Christians are are persecuted. So this is a I got to think that the Abraham argument would would make the case of it being a strong for me a stronger case for it to be a Jewish audience. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. That would seem to be the stronger argument there if you're going to devote this kind of time to right to bab- baptize Abraham into your argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that well, that's it's it's a probably a. Uh, a prominently Jewish demographic in the church mm-hmm. being written to, but who who is causing the the uh, the um, the localized persecution they're mm-hmm. experiencing is mm-hmm. is not all that clear. Um, but yeah, this is that uh, ancestors of the faith who are um, uprooted and become sojourners and don't um, receive the promise in their lifetime. They're they're looking for uh, something. Uh, Invisible, um, they 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 see it by faith. You know, faith is something where you can see the things that uh, uh, aren't present. Uh, that you're you're trusting the promise, and uh, it may it may veer over into some Greek thinking about that. You know, the ideal. You know, this there's the uh, you know the Platonic ideal, then the reality we deal with. It's mm-hmm. it's hard to know because it, he shares some uh, conventions with Philo, who's who's kind of synthesizing um Greek Greek philosophy and uh think trying to put uh, Moses into that mold also. So mm-hmm. he shares some things with with Philo. I, I and I'm a, in no way an expert on on Hebrews because my colleague for you know for right. so many years was one of the one of the world experts on Hebrews mm-hmm. so it's kind of kind of like I don't stand up in too many of those uh, conversations like hey let me get this Eric, you know. Right. Let me right. field this question. I'll take this. One. Take this Nobody one. knows the author. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, Eric, you can unpack. That yeah, but it's, like it. it's probably Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Paul. Paul's letter to the Hebrews. I do. I you did that all the time for him. That yeah, was, yeah. just kind of get him off track. Um. Yeah, but okay. I you know, um, can't can't go to, can't go wrong with Abraham and and Sarah. Uh, mm-hmm. And and there's obviously obviously a lot of uh, um, allusion to the beginning of his. His journey, his migration. There might have been other people, but uh, it might have been part of a larger migration. But that's not the way the story is told, and mm-hmm. um, and the way they talk about themselves. Um, I don't know, one of the verses here, but uh, um, you know, I'm a pilgrim in the land, and the mm-hmm. only thing he ever bought that he possessed was a tomb for the tomb his, his mm-hmm. wife, you know, uh, and and ultimately himself, and uh, and even so. Um, even in the covenant, God talks about um, the our relationship to the land as uh, uh, the land is God's, and and mm-hmm. and we're aliens and tenants. Uh, Leviticus twenty five talks about it that way. So this is not a, a temporary sort of posture of faith. This is a the ongoing sort of uh, perspective. You find this in Hebrews. You find this uh, James is writing. In, in its first context, James is writing to to uh, Jewish Christians in Jerusalem, and he's talking mm-hmm. about them as sojourners and and mm-hmm. uh, part of the diaspora. It's like, well, wait a minute. Well, everything we know about right. James is that he didn't have a ministry beyond Jerusalem, but he's talking to people um, in in Jerusalem who are being persecuted. It's like, well, of course, you're so, you're an alien in the land. That's what happens to aliens. It only makes sense of your experience of persecution. Mm-hmm. This isn't your home. You know what happens. It shouldn't happen. And certainly the law and the prophets talk about that's the kind of thing that that, that brings God's wrath and ire. It's like when you begin to treat, um, well, widow, orphan, and aliens, you know, they're right. there in that short list of people you have to look out for. But, uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, but, but people know that doesn't happen and people fall short and, and people see that. And, and so the, in both Testaments, uh, you have this adoption of this, this alien status and this alien um, posture toward as, life in this world. Is it, is it, are, are you saying that that's, that's a way they were making sense of persecution? Yeah. Yeah. James, yeah. Uh, yeah James does a lot of that. And I think that's going on here in Hebrews mm-hmm. um, that. Well, of course we're being persecuted. Yeah. We're strangers in this yeah, land. You're, you're, yeah. You're, you're, str- you're strangers and you're, you're chosen. We know the chosen are going to be persecuted in the end times. So yeah. those sorts of things like, Hey, put on, put on your game face for uh, persecution because that's, that's the team you're on. You know, you're, mm-hmm. You're part of this special chosen people, so you know you get to suffer. You know, man, I wish I had your faith, man. You look right, at you're so right. special. You're chosen to suffer. Wow, so gifted. <laughs> so 
<laughs> Jesus suffered. Man, yeah. your faith is just oh, you're so, like you're, you're like a sojourner, so like much a, like Abraham. Jesus. Yeah, so much like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a great, it's a great text. I think you know, it's one so, I should probably incorporate in my thinking about this theme in the Bible. I know that uh, obviously Revelation builds toward notions of city, and mm-hmm. here Hebrews has an eschatological city as well. A city. Anywhere else in the New Testament besides these hmm. two places? I was just curious because uh, I, I this one surprised me. I just never had picked up on Holy City, but yeah. obviously doing all I was doing in Revelation recently, it was I'm sort of attuned to that now. And I'm just wondering how many places talk about city eschatologically in the New Testament. Yeah, that's a good point. The most prominent ones, I think, would be the ones we've mentioned. Revelation, yeah. Hebrews... And uh, and James, they talk about okay. a um, um, this is not our home, you know, this is not our true home, and so the mm-hmm. there is this reality coming. Um, Christians, the the Christian movement we know about was largely an urban. It was urban movement, mm-hmm. mostly because we're, the New Testament is so dominated by Paul, and Paul's planting mm-hmm. his churches in urban settings. Mm-hmm. And uh, wh- whether you're thinking about. Hebrews or or James or the cities addressed in Revelation, you know, life is lived in community. Life is lived mm-hmm. in in uh, the the people who live in urban settings. They that's where their life is experienced, and they're probably being marginalized and excluded from the fullness of life. So, the thing that they are uh, you know losing out on is uh, is often mm-hmm. from you know that's not the real that's not the real community. That's not the real city. Mm-hmm. There is a city prepared for you. Whatever you're, whatever you've you know lost or whatever been been you know taken away that's right. held out as a as a promise well, as you were pointing out when we were looking at Paul that that many of them are probably going to endure social status problems because so much of society was moving around you know so much of political society moved around Roman religion mm-hmm. that if you were holding fast to Christian right. faith you you wouldn't be able to participate in right. former places where you had status and position. Right. Yeah. And those are all interwoven. The the life and economy of the city right. is just right. completely interwoven with the life and the, the life of the, uh, the religious system, the festivals mm-hmm. and the, the guilds and the, the gods of those guilds that you would need to, you know, swear to. And mm-hmm. yeah, you, you are quickly marginalized and uh, you may, you may be tempted to go back into, you know, it's interesting that you think about, they're tempted to go back into Jewish cultural practices. Like, well, that's, they were persecuted too. What mm-hmm. kind of, you know, how did, uh, how did, how did desperate Judaism, how did they live that out? I mean, we know mm-hmm. that many were persecuted uh, mm-hmm. and they're thought they're called along with Christians as atheists. You don't worship the gods. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with you guys? Right. You know, we just worship one God, you know, but uh, maybe there's probably some accommodation too. Um well, at least at least in Rome, Judaism had some dispensation, and mm-hmm. yeah, Christianity. So long as Christianity could identify itself as a as a sect of Judaism, right. then right. perhaps it would be as well. Right, but, and that's really one of the crises uh, that faced in explicitly in Revelation that the the synagogue is mm-hmm. saying these guys aren't Jews. <laughs> it's like, uh oh, right, you know, and, right. and a pla- you know, slander, and then you read like something like Pliny the uh, Pliny the Younger talking about mm-hmm. someone anonymously posting uh, placards that's saying these aren't these guys, you know, identifying Christians and probably the, what rises to the surface might be a a, a possible context for that would be the synagogue saying these people are, Mm -hmm. you know, so they have no protection. So why aren't you at the, you know, at the Imperial temple Mm -hmm. or the uh, other uh, many, many temples in these, in this culture? Why aren't you willing to say Caesar is Lord? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, this is not an uncommon experience for uh, for for Christians and Jews, but Jews did have a certain dispensation in in, mm. in, in Rome. I mean, but they were still. Per- you're right; they're still persecuted, even with that special dispensation. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was never easy right. at any point in their history. <laughs> right, <laughs> but yeah, but even when things were going well, they weren't necessarily going that well. But yeah, then that yeah. became a step. There's worse. the law, Let's... and then there's what the the crowd does, and the right. the right. institute. Exactly. The law is only as good as the institutions that support them. So. Right, protect them. Yeah, yeah. So, but then for Christians to lose even that marginal, ostensible kind of help is, yeah, yeah protection is then 
the temptation for them to run back. I mean, that's what I was just thinking about. Okay, if Jews are still getting persecuted, but Christians are like, well, that's better than what we're dealing with now. Yeah. At, le- at least. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was like, wow. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's uh there's this, there's this overview of Paul that I usually show when I'm beginning to teach the section, the weeks on Paul and the Pauline letters. And, and there's a, there's a prominent scholar who says, and you know, once Paul was in prison at Rome, I'm sure he was, you know, he was uh, freed because he was a Roman citizen. And, he was okay. a Roman citizen. And as we know, you know, he wouldn't, wouldn't be executed. It's like, he's nah. like, you know, have you seen how many times Jesus is pronounced innocent? And then, and then he's killed later that afternoon. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, of course that would, they would, Romans would never do that. Right. Right. <laughs> it's amazing that he could, you know, ha- having seen it a year, you know, semester after semester, I'm going, wow, there's doesn't get that. Doesn't get the irony of what he's saying. Right. Yeah. So persecution. Wow. You're not at home. You're a sojourner. That's a good mindset, man. That is something, that is such a common human experience that it's like it resonates with people. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So make it, well, it does make it easier. It's, it makes it easier because it's, it, it's a mindset that brings, it brings a certain framework that brings order to the chaos of your life, mm-hmm. you know, that you're mm-hmm. experiencing. There's a, a book, and now I'm trying to remember who wrote, it was a church historian called uh, Outsiders. And it was about uh, Mormonism, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, mm. and Christian scientists. Mm. And uh, the, the book was about how all three of those groups framed themselves, partly in reality, that they were outsiders mm-hmm. in the way in which they identified themselves in America, that they're all three American religion and all three um, framing themselves as outsiders in that American religion. And that even... Uh, up until very recently, uh, Mormonism uh, framed itself as mm-hmm. an outsider faith. Um, and then, I don't know, probably, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, they started thinking of themselves and talking about themselves as a sect of Christianity, another, just another denomination of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but for years, they thought of themselves as outsiders. And this, this church historian was saying that much of their success mm-hmm. in proselytizing was their success in being able to frame themselves as outsiders within American culture, mm-hmm. that, that they are an alternative community. They are not part of the same community, though mm-hmm. all three were native-born religious movements right. to America. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Which it, it was a fascinating, it was really a fascinating read hmm. uh, as they talked about part of their success being as outsiders. Mm-hmm. And even, even you know, when the Latter-day Saints, the multi-billion dollar budget and in industry, mm-hmm. uh, just persecuted minority, just outsiders, that's us, just, you know, trying to get through. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, okay, yeah. well done. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, it, yeah, mm-hmm. it, that's, that's one of the extraordinary things extraordinary things about the the hebrew people is that they they had this yeah. extended diaspora experience and retained their culture that's kind of extraordinary the way that's remarkable that. yeah 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 we want to look at luke 12 yeah let's look at luke 12 wow all red all red letters all red jesus must be talking mm-hmm. here. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This is Luke 12, 32 to 40. Mm-hmm. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys for where your treasure is. There your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return for the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. Wow, that's unusual. It is. It's very Uh, unusual. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. That's just science. (laughs) Uh, You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Hmm. Yeah, this is um this, this has a certain coherence to it. Although the first few verses probably finish out Jesus' thought about uh what we get in 22 through uh well, actually probably goes through 34 about this section that's familiar from the Sermon on the Mount um mm-hmm. the or Sermon on the Plain in in Luke uh where you get similar sorts of material, but this is um, you know, consider the lilies of the field and uh mm-hmm. They neither toil nor spin, nor um, 
do job searches on Indeed and <laughs> such. Right. Even Solomon in all his glory is not closed like one of them. So this is um, God's provision in life. Um, and do not, not be afraid, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That does round out that sort of thinking. Um, don't be troubled about these things. This is your part of an economy where God looks out for you know the little flock and the little people. And you can do the same. So you can sell your possessions and give alms. Uh, give alms would, would, would in the first century uh, Christian and Jewish setting, be like give to the poor is what you're talking mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of um, the, the kind of laying out the economy of God is that uh, you can do this sort of thing because God's a part of the equation. God's always going to give back more than you give. God's always going to look out for uh, the poor. And and if you're worried about being poor, you need to re- realize this about God. Um, so there's a lot about the temptations of of wealth. You know, we're talking about the uh, the the rich fool who you know, mm-hmm. tore down his barns. And and that was probably not just, you know, like some of the people I was talking about, like, it might have a really impressive barn, you know. Mm-hmm. This is about, I'm going to I'm gonna be set, you know. I'm going to have mm-hmm. this really big 401k, and I'm going to be, and, you know, I can be secure then. And that's not, that's not uh, um, a mindset that's uh, appropriate for God's people um, to trust in, in things. Um, those people who are, I don't know if I said it last week. The people are talking to themselves in Jesus' parables. They're usually they're, they're weird, you know. They're separated mm-hmm. from community. There's not a lot of soliloquies in in, in Jewish literature, and there's not a lot. Of, there's not as many soliloquies. I'm, I'm saying this, but I'm not sure if I have any basis for this. I'm thinking in a communal sort of society, mm-hmm. um, people, you know, behind gates. Uh, I get it. Better not throw. <laughs> better not lift up stones. <laughs> since I'm actually buying a house that has a gate that's in front of it. Buying a house behind a gate. <laughs> yeah. That's right. People who live behind gates are typically pictured as you know separated from community, and mm-hmm. uh, and and that was a story. I, you know, I told last week about the people way way behind their gate on their mm-hmm. forty acres. But you're you're closer to your gate, so that makes it okay. I am. I am. And I told yeah. you, if, if Lazarus shows up, I'm going to hit the remote and. And open the gate. Let him forage and keep my keep my dog away from him. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to fall into that trap. As long as yeah, it happens yeah. exactly like Scripture has talked about, sure, I'm not going right. to fall into that You'd trap. If it comes to some sort of per, other permutation, I might yeah. you know, might blindside me. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So this is kind of one attitude, but then there's the there's the attitude of watchfulness also, and a couple of images would be. Um, uh, the mass returning from the feast, well, how many times, you know, common, can't common sort of experience. And then the thief coming and breaking in, a different sort of watchfulness uh, for each. But it's the, uh, um, there's this dailiness to Christianity in Luke, you know, you find uh, Jesus saying things like, uh, take up your cross and follow me. In Luke, it's take up your cross daily, you know, and follow mm-hmm. me. So people have, early in the rediscovery of Luke, Luke had been overlooked because Mark had been thought of as, we're going to study Mark because he's first. And then Matthew right. gets a lot of study because he's, you know, first in the, in the mm-hmm. canon and is, and is arranged for teaching. And then, you know, Luke, we've read that stuff other places. We'll just kind of, same stuff. And they realize kind of a flourishing of, of Lucan studies in the early 60s and, and subsequently is like, no, Luke's kind of got his own perspective. Uh, maybe that's why he's in the New Testament, you know, another, another uh, testament of Jesus. But this this dailiness of of Luke, and early on they said, so this is might be that the fading of the urgency of um, the coming of the Lord. You know, this is like the church is mm. kind of an evolutionary sort of perspective. The right. church has to... been around a few decades, and they no longer think like it could happen all the time, any time, any moment. Yeah, that is not the case. That is not the case uh, in, in, in in that you have a uh, uh, you have these two things together. You have this. Uh, you have a social awareness, and you have a uh, eschatological urgency. So, in other contexts, you say a strong eschatology um, doesn't always go along with a, a social, uh, the social dimension of the gospel. Like, mm-hmm. why would you invest in this world? Why would you worry about people's right. status or try to lift them up in this world if Jesus is going to come back? Um, that's that's a a presupposition we bring to the new testament that's never present in the new testament these things are right next to each other all the time yeah you know yeah uh you are you're living that's an excellent point yeah and it affects church budget budgets you know 
Uh, your eschatology affects your budget. What are you going to spend your money on? Well, well it's just going to be just going to be evangelism, nothing else, you know, or just going to be this. It's like, well, you know, just going to invest in 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 the community, in the world. You know, well, those things are kind of always present next to each other, and intention, and we don't deal with those tensions very well. We tend to eliminate one of those uh, mm-hmm. things that are pulling us one direction, or our culture kind of uh, blinds us to one or the other. But uh, you always see these. Uh, these themes together. It's never like, well, the church has kind of lost its urgency. It's like, really? I don't see that in the New Testament. That's something that's we, we, some perspective we import into the New Testament. I mean, that's certainly here, right? I mean, we can talk daily, daily, daily all you want, mm-hmm. but yeah, you're exactly right. It is right here. Yeah. You never know anytime. Right. Yeah. You got to, unexpected you got, hour. And, and that's part of the dailiness, you know? It's not like the dailiness mm-hmm. because we're not, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a, there's a certainty that Jesus is returning. The only uncertainty is when, and and the answer mm-hmm. to that is the dailiness of daily watching, daily uh, mm-hmm. being vigilant. So the two images he uses here, and other places, uh, would be uh, the master returning and also uh, uh, the thief coming to the house. So both all of this is kind of played out within the context of the 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 Roman household, extended household, where where slaves are part of the household, but they're you know they're obviously at the other end of the spectrum from the from the master. That's what's mm-hmm. so extraordinary about um that the master comes home and and serves them, okay? Um in another context Jesus will say uh, somewhere along this journey he says uh you think uh you think the master's going to invite you to the table because you did your job just you know just say we're worthless slaves. This is just we just did our normal job and we're going to eat mm-hmm. later, you know. Here it completely turns I, I won't say turns the table on. It just turns the convention, oh, okay? okay? Yeah. Okay. What's so interesting to me, and I am definitely in a minority here. Um, well, I've already expressed my minority opinion today, yeah. so let's hear your minority opinion. Is that there's so much about tables, there's more about meals in Luke than any other gospel. You know, Jesus is right. always eating in all the gospels, but Luke makes so much of that, so much more of that. It's it's always a focus. It's it, as I say when I teach New Testament, there's there's no uh, all meals are theological in the New Testament. Okay, right. They probably take more, they have more theologically concerned with their daily meal than we are of how we go about uh, the Lord's Supper in a lot of our churches. Right. They're very right. careful about meals. And you are saying things about uh, social status and, and your theology through your meals. And so that's always the background. And then Luke goes beyond even what others are saying. So when you hear something about uh, the master kind of turning, he's saying, uh, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down and eat, and he will come and serve them as some sort of um, um, characteristic of his, this distinctive message of Jesus. If you read Luke's Final Supper carefully and you just bracket out what you know from the others, you could get the sense that Jesus isn't eating that meal. Mm-hmm. At the Last Supper, Jesus is not eating the meal, and he says, uh, I shall not eat of it again until the kingdom comes. You know, mm-hmm. And so— it sets up these meals which follow meals very prominent afterwards in in all the gospels but more so in Luke uh, on the day, on the resurrection the Emmaus yeah, and yeah Emmaus is a place where it's like oh the kingdom has come you know mm-hmm. it's very it i should you know i guess i should write that up at some point but uh, that would be good. i haven't come across people who say that um and it might be like if i do good research like oh no other people are saying that but i i just yeah, don't right. see that I don't see that because it's real. It's so hard not to harmonize the gospels, but I think it's laying a foundation for hearing that in Jesus' final supper that he is. Uh... So, is the fasten the belt mean that the master's not eating? It means it's it's saying you're girding yourself for for uh, service for and labor for work. Yeah, but not but probably not eating. No, no, because of, because a, a servant wouldn't eat. You're just right. a servant. Like you're like a waiter. You know, you're like putting on right. your waiter outfit or whatever. So here the master's not eating either, it seems. Yeah. So you're probably right. And I think if you have all these meals leading up to the Last Supper, mm-hmm. for Jesus to then be a servant in, in a context where he's using symbols to talk about his death, to mm-hmm. talk about his death and to to model servanthood. Uh, I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, I'm gonna model my death through these symbols. I'm also gonna model my death. By the fact I'm not eating, I'm I'm yeah. the servant at this meal. It's like, ooh, that's some mm-hmm. good stuff. That would make mm-hmm. so much sense for 
Yeah, it would. You know, it's like, well, where do we see that in Luke? Well, everywhere, you know, everywhere. before and after that text. It's I'd like, say, and then Jesus is eating all the time afterwards. Yeah. It's so, it's like, wait a minute, Jesus isn't eating? What? You know? Yeah, right. Seems like we would notice eating. that. He's always eating. Yeah, that's, that could be how they recognize that it was Jesus at Emmaus. Oh, and he disappeared, but it's like, oh, that, that guy. Did you see him eat? <laughs> yeah. That guy. It's already breaking the bread before he's finished the prayer. Yeah. Yeah. So there's something there, I think. There's something there. I think you're right. Yeah. I'm going to chew on that some more. Yeah. But Oh man, so that's good. a stinker. That was a stinker. That was, yeah. That's all right. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have become so much more merciful regarding <laughs> puns. I just, I have, I used yeah. to just groan with the rest of them. And now I'm like, you know what? That's yeah. right. We need to appreciate people Why who are good not? with language. Yeah. Uh, I'm tired of being the only culture in America, in the world that doesn't appreciate language. Uh, yeah. You know, Puns on language. Someone's clever with language. We groan Turn whenever someone's face. clever with yeah, language. I wonder why that yeah. is. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I do it. Well, I, I groan. I know. I chastise I people. I told someone I at my new job, I said, they made a pun. I said, oh, that was a real stinker. It's yeah. like, wait a minute. I'm the new guy. I can't say that. Yeah. to be nice. I better be, be careful. Nice. You should have laughed really loud. Uh, that's yes. what you should have done. That's what I, ah! Did you hear that? That's what you should. <laughs> See what he did there? Oh, so clever. <laughs> Actually, it was funny because I was having a conversation with someone and I was saying, why is it that that American culture, that our culture seems to be the only one that does not appreciate when people are clever with language? And she looked back and she, and she said, well, I think white American culture. Yes. And I said, you know what? That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you listen to yeah. really good hip hop, yeah. the, the wordplay there is exceptional. That's, that's and, what, uh, most of what it intentional. is. Intentional. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And so... I was like, all right, now I've got to start being, I've got to stop judging like that. I got to have some appreciate. People who are good with language need to be appreciated for being good with language. So I'm going to try and do that. Well, and that's a, the way a lot of, well, I probably the whole Bible, but certainly yeah. the New Testament, it makes, it makes its case not with, you know, just airtight logic. It makes its case right. with sophisticated use of language. Of wordplay, in, yes, in the in the linguistic universe that the people live in, it's not. Right. It's not. Well, how many times a, today did I just say the Shema just to invoke right. that word right. is going to mm -hmm. to invoke Torah in a way that we don't hear right. when that happens? Yeah. So yeah. Well, somehow we we ended on a serious note. I don't know what happened there. That was weird. So well, that's okay. It's rich. It's a rich note. It's a. It is a rich note. It's a. It, it's, it's, note. I mean, when you get that, then there's so much more. Yeah. In the in the Bible, I mean, how I, my Hebrew professor, I was taking Hebrew in. You took Hebrew, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I taught it, but I actually took some. Yeah. Oh wow, a lot of classes okay. I didn't I, take. I, I knew you taught. I tested. It, but, I mean, you just got to stay yeah. in class against the ahead yeah. of the students. Yeah, but. this was in uh, just in a in a regular state university, and he would just go on, and I was like, you know, you know, it's like you know, it's well, they didn't have HD back then, but it's like it, you miss so much if yeah. you don't. Yeah. Get it in well. In, yeah. He would be say the, in the original, but what's great about the original? Then you get all the wordplay. You know, it's right. like which we look down our look down our I nose. Always I always, I always used to say it's like reading the Bible in color, but that's when people understood yeah. what black and white yeah. was. Yeah, so HD or four K yeah. or whatever something. I don't know. I don't know how to. do It was funny on Sunday. Someone said, "Yeah, well, which translation?" I said, "Oh, the Hebrew. That's the one we need." To yeah, read. yeah. I mean, you know, that's that's the one we all need to know. Yeah, the Hebrew. Yeah, or if you're if you're you know lazy, the Septuagint. You know? Septuagint. I mean, you know, Jesus used that, I guess. Paul used that. That's okay. Someone, someone said, uh, someone had a story from studying in, in Germany and, and how hardcore the professors are there. And there's, there was someone in the class who had a, had a migraine and, and he said, you, you should, you should go home and you should go home and read, read Joseph, you know, lay down on the couch and read Josephus in, in translation, if you have to, cause you have a headache. <laughs> if you have to, you have a headache. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. This is this is the German professor being nice. <laughs> I know. I mean, I knew. Yeah, that's you talk about grad school. You know, when the professor and I had this. I'm sure you had this experience too. You sit down and said, "All right, well, this is you know here's the the article we're to discuss next time, and it's German." You know, handing it out. <laughs> oh, you know, like, man. Okay. Cool. No problem. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Before the days of Google Translate. All right. Yeah. I'll fight my way through this. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, that is a struggle. Yeah. We we talk we talk about these. Uh, these ancient tongues that, uh, you know, these, in these lost languages, but then, then we were like, but German, that was a real, that was a real that struggle German, for me. Yeah, German was <laughs> German. a struggle. <laughs> Almost didn't make it.
Well, didn't make it through grad school because well, of German. I had to. I had to write a. I had to write a paper. Um, no, it's for my dissertation. That's what it was. I, I that I was quoting. Oh, it's a um, long paper. It was a long paper. Uh, Hermann Gunkel's uh, Schopfung und Chaos, and it was it was important to my argument. And so, I had to. I was translating these huge sections of Schopfung und Chaos because it's not available in in English. And and literally the year after my dissertation was uh, published, it came out mm. in English. I was so angry. Mm. I was like, "Wait a minute! I could have done this myself. I could have made money. Wait a minute!" <laughs> there was, oh, that was so mad. Mm. But anyway, yeah, but that was his. That was sort of his first foray into form criticism and making the argument for uh, uh, from from Genesis to Revelation, basically mm-hmm. uh, creation and chaos. Mm. Uh, but anyway. Oh yeah, let's let's gripe about German. Like Hebrew and Greek were so easy, yeah. but German was what really yeah, made German. us upset. Oh, took me down. German, am I right? <laughs> Our, the eight hundred page prolegomena to their argument. Oh so. my goodness, Germans. Maybe it's Germans that we're having a problem. With. <laughs> German. <laughs> Oh, and for those of you listening in Germany, yeah. we love yeah, you. Yeah, have we, we thank you. Uh, not offended anyone today? Let's think. I think let's, let's go let's down the list. Today, I think we've so. hit, yeah, touched all the bases. I think a, we've ticked one anyway. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for listening this week. Hope that you will have a great week. Hope that you will like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Reading in Church. Shoot us an email at readinginchurch at gmail.com or interact with us on any of the other social media areas that we uh, have some connection. We're nationwide. Absolutely. We're on, We're all, on all the platforms. Have a, have a great week. Have a great week. Reading in Church is proud to partner with Audible.com. For you, the listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, MP3 player. Surely you can find something interesting in all of that. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch for your free audiobook. Go there today.